buongiorno, mi chiamo Riccardo e faccio parte del gruppo dirigente qui a King's Church. Oggi vi porto un messaggio dal titolo Capire le lingue. Actually, for the record, my name is not Riccardo. My name is Richard and I'm part of the leadership team here at King's Church. And today I'm going to be bringing you a message called Understanding Tongues. Now this is quite a topic to try to address in the 15 minutes or so that I have with you today. But I do think it's probably appropriate that we haven't given more of our series on the Holy Spirit over to this subject. Because as much as I believe in speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit is not all about tongues. There's so much more that he wants to do in our lives. And we've been looking at various aspects of that over the last few weeks. And of course, there's still so much more. But speaking in tongues is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And since God only gives good gifts, I do think that it's something we should seek to understand and that we should be open to receiving. Now, when our English Bibles use the word tongues, it's important to understand that it simply means languages. And when the early Christians are described as speaking in tongues, it means they're speaking in languages that they haven't learned, whether they be human languages or angelic languages, and we'll see that a bit later. Now, this first happens on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. The passage goes on to tell us that there were spectators looking on from many different places, speaking many different languages. But each of those spectators heard their own language being spoken. We don't know for certain if the Christians were actually speaking those human languages, even though they'd never learned them, or if they were all just speaking heavenly languages and God somehow caused the onlookers to hear it in their own language. But either way, it was supernatural. I mean, we, we love to look for rational explanations, but I'm afraid that is going to be a bit of a challenge throughout this message, because speaking in a language that you don't understand <laughs> is not rational. And I do wonder if that could even be why speaking in tongues was the first sign of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church. Because in all kinds of ways that we're just beginning to understand, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us and enable us to move beyond our prior experience, to experience a life in relationship with God that goes beyond our own efforts and abilities, that does not depend on our human wisdom or learning or accomplishments, but a life that is increasingly transformed into the image of Jesus by virtue of him actually living inside of us, the supernatural presence of God himself in our lives. Now we're told that the crowd at Pentecost heard the believers declaring the wonders of God. What the Holy Spirit made possible in that moment was for God to be glorified. And is that not ultimately the goal of all the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? That God would be glorified? So, understandably, some people have ended up 
a little bit confused when they compare this story in Acts chapter 2 with what they experience of Christians speaking in tongues in charismatic churches like ours today. Sometimes it can feel as if tongues has become more like a, like a badge to prove that I'm a certain type of Christian. And sometimes it might even feel like the ones that have that badge think they're the better type of Christian, which of course is nonsense because either you belong to Jesus or you don't. If you've put your faith in him, then your identity as a child of God comes entirely from him. The Holy Spirit lives inside you to confirm your identity and as a guarantee of the inheritance that awaits you. But this problem with some people seemingly feeling superior with their speaking in tongues didn't originate with the Pentecostal revivals or the charismatic renewals of the 20th century. It's a problem that Paul has to deal with when he writes to the first century church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks about different gifts of the Holy Spirit and in particular, some of the ways that the Holy Spirit manifests himself when the believers come together. And he reminds the Corinthian Christians that they are like a body made up of many parts and that every part is needed. It seems they're all trying to be the best or most important to attain to the highest positions. It seems some of them are using their gifts to show off and to appear better than others. And this leads to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, where Paul writes his famous chapter on love. And in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And so he carries on. Gifts of the Spirit are amazing, but they mean nothing without love. But if you will allow God to transform your life with the love of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will help you to live that life in ways you couldn't have imagined. And that includes the gifts of the Spirit. And so Paul carries on in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now notice what Paul said in verse four. The person who speaks in tongues edifies themselves. That means they strengthen themselves. They build themselves up. In verse two, he said that anyone who speaks in tongues utters mysteries by the Spirit. Even though they're, they're speaking in a language that they haven't learned, be that a human language or an angelic language, they're actually declaring spiritual truth that they haven't yet understood. And that builds the person up. It makes them spiritually stronger. They're declaring spiritual truths in the Spirit and it strengthens them. 
Now, Paul goes on to say that our focus should be on building other people up, especially when we gather together as the church. And that's why he says that prophecy is more important. And he expands on this in the verses that follow by pointing out how daft it is to address people in a language they can't understand. Imagine if I had carried on trying to preach this whole message in Italian, knowing that most of the people listening wouldn't understand. Or imagine someone came to preach to us in Arabic or Farsi and, and we didn't provide an interpreter. Let's carry on reading from verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 14. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? Giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. So Paul is saying all this to the Christians in Corinth to help them to prefer one another and to put each other's needs ahead of their own. He doesn't want them showing off or lording it over one another. He wants them to encourage each other and build each other up. He wants the whole church to be strengthened so that ultimately God will be glorified. But this in no way undermines the value and importance of tongues. It may not be the most helpful way of strengthening and encouraging the rest of the church, unless someone brings an interpretation, but it's a great way of strengthening myself. And Paul's already said that. I'm not going to speak to you in tongues without interpretation, but I am going to let God enable me to speak and sing to him in a way that he tells me in his word will make me spiritually stronger. Because if I become spiritually stronger, that will ultimately lead to God being glorified. If I'm spiritually stronger, then I will be able to help and encourage others. If I'm spiritually stronger, then I may find I'm more courageous in stepping out in other areas of gifting. If I'm spiritually stronger, then I may find it helps me to pray with authority against spiritual strongholds, to see people set free from spiritual oppression. If you've ever flown on a plane, you'll know there's always a safety demonstration before you take off. And they point out the exits and they show you how to put on a life jacket. And then they talk to you about the oxygen masks that will automatically drop from the ceiling if there's a loss of cabin pressure. And they tell you that you should always fit your own mask first before trying to help children or anyone else who might be sitting around you. Now, for a parent, this seems counterintuitive. Most parents would do anything they could for their children and they would want to help them first. But then you realize that if you did try to help your children first, there's a good chance that you would pass out through lack of oxygen before you managed to help them. And that's why 
You're told to put your own mask on first and then help the people around you. I think tongues is a bit like that. You strengthen yourself so that you can be strong for others. My goal is not to be better than anybody else. The goal is to strengthen, serve and encourage others. The goal is to love others sacrificially. But that kind of loving takes supernatural strength. So God gives us a gift that we can use to strengthen ourselves. Jude verses 20 and 21 says this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. God gives us the Holy Spirit to transform us to be more like him in all kinds of wonderful ways. The goal is to make Jesus famous, that God might be glorified. That's why the Holy Spirit produces fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control in our lives. And that's why he gives us gifts and enables us to minister to others on his behalf. The goal has never been to speak in tongues for the sake of it, as if baptism in the Holy Spirit was all about tongues. But God does want us to become mature, to become spiritually strong. When we come together as a church, we won't all bring a tongue and we won't all prophesy. But we do believe that speaking, praying and singing in tongues between you and God is something that God wants to make available for everyone. When we look through the New Testament, we see that sometimes happens spontaneously without any human intervention. And sometimes it happened when others laid their hands on people and prayed for them. It's not something you can make happen. You can't force it. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you if it's something you haven't experienced yet. But I just want to encourage you to desire this gift and to see it as something valuable, something worth having. It's a gift that will enable you to make spiritual dec declarations that go beyond your human understanding. It will challenge your rational mind. And even though Paul encourages us, he encourages us to pray that the Holy Spirit will give us understanding, the spiritual value of speaking in tongues doesn't depend on your understanding. It's actually a powerful demonstration that God is bigger than my mind and my understanding, that there is a supernatural spiritual dimension to life and that I am a spiritual person. I'm called to live in the realm of the spirit and not solely in the realm of my humanity. So if you've previously spoken in tongues but haven't really been doing so lately, I want to encourage you to deliberately and consciously start using this gift again. Give time to praying in tongues, just like you might set time aside for physical exercise. And if you haven't previously spoken in tongues, I want to encourage you to desire the gift. You're no less of a Christian, but we believe it's a blessing that God wants you to experience. Stir your hunger and desire and pray consistently that Jesus would give you this gift. Just to say that the Holy Spirit is probably not gonna take control of your tongue. That's not what tongues means. There's a bit of a step of faith involved as we start to speak and pray. And 
most of us who do speak in tongues have worried at some stage or other whether we were making it up. But please don't get hung up about that as God knows your heart and whether it is genuine towards him. And if it helps, you can talk more with a friend or one of our leaders and you can ask them to lay hands on you and pray with you. But more than anything, you just need to be thirsty. As Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Be thirsty, come to Jesus and drink from him. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you.